Support for Elwood City Limits is made possible by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Email. Elwood City Limits at gmail.com. And by subscribing on iTunes and following us on SoundCloud. Thank you. And, and my free time. Okay, we're here. We're uh, we're doing we're doing the dab on 2017. Do, do kids still do the dab? Not in 2017. New year, new dance. It's on the come up. We're not sure what it's gonna be yet, but I'm I got feelers out. Uh, I'm keeping my eye on the horizon. I want to be up on the new trends, the new dance crazes when they hit. Who knows what the kids are doing, except, of course, watching the immortal TV show, Arthur. And welcome to the podcast where we discuss it in detail, Elwood City Limits. Thank you for joining us once again. My name is Will Young. Uh, The master of youth culture is uh, to my right. He is my co-host, Lucas Mancini. Emojis are big this year. They're making an emoji movie. That's right. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Hopefully it'll be less you, xenophobic than the Angry Birds movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm not the only one who noticed that. Isn't that weird? About, I didn't actually see it, but I read some articles. But, but like, not even, like, you just look at the trailer and the whole story is that these pigs invade, like, I forget how the pigs are kind of, but it's like these pigs invade this bird sanctuary and then force them into slavery, question mark? Luckily. It's it's real. uh, Like, why do we put this in an Angry Birds movie? It's a video game. Luckily, Arthur doesn't seem to wear its political heart on its sleeve as much. (laughs) Not yet, at least. Uh, Certainly, we're into the the baby steps of the show. Uh, Or shouldn't say baby that's uh, apparently a slur in this show if you've mm. listened to past episodes you know exactly what we're talking about but thank you for joining us for this one today it is another jam-packed arthur episode uh because this is one it includes one that i've been waiting to see when it was going to get here i figured it was one of the first episodes of the series uh but i guess i guess it technically isn't that's what you get when pbs kind of airs them out of order and again thankfully there's not it's not like airing firefly out of order where you are killing the narrative of the entire show. Uh, Arthur, pretty easy going in terms of order. So today we are talking about Arthur's chicken pox and sick as a dog. So there is a obviously a theme within these two episodes, but it may not be the one that you're thinking of, and I will get to that a bit later. So, of course, the best way to interact with Elwood City Limits is a podcast, is something you're listening to on your commute or just chilling at home is to watch the episodes themselves, uh, which you can find. I think I, I, I want to give our audience a little bit of, uh, of credit that they can kind of Google the episode names and kind of uh, fend for themselves. Yeah? Just don't watch them while you're on your commute. That could be dangerous. Mm. Oh, uh, unless your commute's on a bus. Yes. Then you're all good. Yeah. Watch away. Don't watch while driving. Uh, or unless somehow you're in your 30s and you have one of those cars that has like the TV in the back for the kids, have them watch that. Arthur's great for... Uh, kids viewing as well and then Elwood City Limits is for the adults (laughs) the first episode we're starting with is Arthur's Chicken Pox again I kind of thought that this one was like a real early episode but we've gone through some of the classic season one episodes already I figured this was like first five 
Me too, and I think it's because I had the book of this one. I okay. remember this one being one of the early Arthur picture books, perhaps. Was it Long Nose Arthur, or was it like normal looking Arthur? Ooh, see, now you're testing my memory to the extent that it cannot handle. Because Long Nose Arthur is, 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 is weird. It's weird. Like, you, you know what you know what I'm talking about? How like I know how we, the, the original Arthur books had like the him with the longer snout. It was before they kind of got the the brand image of Arthur, and it just looks really strange. Yeah, it, it, lo- it looks like a ch- like more like I guess a children's book. If you understand what I'm saying, he certainly lo- looks more, more like an a, aardvark. It's more of a fantastic design. This this one is very much homogenized, so that he just kind of looks human-ish. Well, he doesn't really look like an aardvark at all anymore. And a lot mm. of people have made, like, vines and stuff making fun of that. Like, Arthur, what are you? But, um, obviously he's an aardvark. In in those early picture books, he had the longer snout. He had a lot more aardvark-like features. Yes. But I guess it isn't as welcoming to kids as, as his current look. I'm not sure. Mm. And it starts off with what looks like the first page of your typical kid's book. It's a typical Monday morning in the Reed house. Pan to the right, and it's hell. <laughs> well, not really. But, of course, if you're not exactly, like, endeared with the idea of having kids, then I imagine this is uh, something of a living nightmare, which is not me. I, you know, I hope to have kids someday, so this will probably be my waking nightmare uh, <laughs> in about 10 years or so. But, you know, uh, dad's making breakfast, DW's going through the pots and pans, Kate's crying, mom's on the phone, just everything's everywhere. She's not just going through the pots and pans. She's causing a cacophony of noise yeah, by so, smashing them together. So speaking of, speaking of DW, uh, you know, Arthur kind of wishing that he could live somewhere quieter. And then DW gets two pot lids and proceeds to march around, smash them together, saying, the circus is coming, the circus is coming, in that kind of same intonation. And she is she is way hyped about the circus. In fact, she goes right up to Arthur's face and says, didn't you hear me? The circus is coming in only six more days. So she's been presumably doing this for a while and will continue to. Will, have you ever been that excited for the circus? I've never really been to the circus, to be honest with you. Like, have you been to like a state fair or like all the Tilt-A-Whirls in town? Oh, yeah. Well, the closest I would have been to would be uh, a local... um, a local thing. You remember the the Bill Lynch shows that still come around, like the well, you know, like all of those uh, those midway rides. Yes, yes. Okay, those used to, those used to be called the Bill Lynch shows and the scams. Like, oh, which duck has the spot under it? Yeah. Hey, spoiler warning, guys. I know somebody who worked at one of those. None of the ducks have the prize. Of course. Uh, but, you know, that was my closest thing to a circus. But this is like a capital C circus. We, you know, with animals and clowns and acts and high dives and stuff like that. So that I've actually never been to. So I can't say I've ever been that excited for it. Me neither. And I think this is one of those cases, much like the episode where there was sort of a facsimile of SeaWorld in one of the earlier episodes. I think the sort of cultural opinion on the circus has taken a turn in these recent years. Maybe. People think differently about the way animals are treated. Yes, yeah. Uh, uh, the you know, the public perception of clowns. <laughs> That's tr- certainly in 2016 mm. was the year the clowns took a big PR hit. I think the circus itself, you know, and this is just amateur commentary here. Uh, first of all, I think the the idea of the circus that Arthur's putting forward here is very much an American one. Because, uh, of course, they're talking about, you know, you get your, like, Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey, that kind of stuff, the whole three-ring circus type of thing. Um, but also, 
I think that these days it's less about the circus and maybe more about Cirque du Soleil, which, well, no, but I'm serious, though. Yeah, like, for sure. It's more about the acrobatics, and I think that sells a lot bigger than seeing animals and stuff like that. I've been to Vegas. I know how it is. Nice. Did you see Cirque du Soleil? I, I, my parents made me. I'm not a big Cirque du Soleil well, fan. They, well, it's, like cat, it's like catnip for white people. They made Cirque du Soleil. Oh, it's so terrible. Feel bad for you. Uh, of course, DW, quite the outfit she's sporting here. She's excited about the circus. And I'm sure she asked her mother or her father to help her make this. It's, uh, if I may go from top down, we've got a pink headband. Uh, she's got a purple shirt, a pink tutu with red shoes, and across the tutu and the headband are bells so that when she walks, it you know, jingles. So she's making a lot of noise, and she is hyped for the circus, man. Arthur kind of details about how you know the circus is a yearly tradition for them, and this was great. Uh, in the flashback, one of his fondest memories of the circus is DW with cotton candy and popcorn, and then an elephant just comes up to her. They're in like the front or second row, and just a cop her of her food and DW just screams. <laughs> That's right. We get one of those patented DW like <laughs> shrill um, shrieking. Yes, it's a real DW stock scream. It's funny. Cut to Arthur who's setting up the episode in a, a bit of a vague way, just like the circus isn't here until Saturday. And besides, I feel a little funny. Just like as an adult, I'm just like, and cut to the next scene where, you know, a chest burster comes out of Arthur. <laughs> feel a little oh, guys, funny. I'm fine to go. <laughs> Though we were talking about last episode how, uh, I don't remember which one it was exactly, but one of the episodes had a really great cold open that really got you intrigued in how the rest of the episode was going to go. It might have been Arthur World's Greatest Gleeper, our, pre- our previous it. episode. That was one that really got, got the fires burning in your in your, in your brain. Just like, what? where can they go from here? And this was sort of the opposite for me where there was a lot of setup that didn't really have to do with the plot of the episode. Uh, and then there's this little thing tacked on at the end where it's like, oh, I don't feel so good. Yeah, it's almost an afterthought as we get mm-hmm. into it. But, of course, once you see Arthur's chicken box, you know where this is going. So they're in, in art class where they will be every once in a while. And they've, everybody's kind of got on their smocks and, like, uh, uh, clothes clothes that they can get dirty or rather paint on them. First of all, Binky, way into splatter painting. He's he's really taking out some aggression on the canvas there, like just going hard on 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 just figuring out what his masterpiece is. Real Binky's Jackson a, Pollock. Yeah, Binky's a regular Jackson Pollock. He's he's way into that outsider art. Mm-hmm. As we will uh, well, as we'll see maybe later on Binky's uh, interest in art. Uh, and then we get just a little thing here with uh um Sue Ellen drawing trees that are purple instead of green, and then Muffy totally narks on her. She's like, Sue Ellen's trees are all wrong. And I'm like... Yeah, Muffy needs to listen to more Harry Chapin. (sighs) Flowers are red. Green leaves are green. Uh, There's no way to see flowers any other way. That's the way they always have been. I... Oh, okay, okay, dude. Like, Harry Chapin, I... It's a, it's, it, there's literally a folk song about kids in an art class. Oh, okay. That's why, kid, that's, why, that's why I don't know. A kid, it's a it's a kid draws uh, <laughs> the wrong color of flowers. And oh. then the teacher, instead of letting their artistic values grow and let them explore their creativity, the teacher's like, that's not the color flowers should be. Mm. Well, this teacher, uh, uh, Miss Brian, I believe her name is, as well, she'll be named in a later episode, uh, does the exact opposite. She says, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what color you use. These are lovely. And she points to Arthur's elephant, which is blue. 
So, you know, good. Let let kids be creative. That's the right uh, mini message here. And then Arthur trips hard, man. Yeah, this is weird. This is really weird. It's like concerning. And like, because I know it's Arthur getting the chicken pox, but like, like it's inexplicable. So I'm no expert. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not Dr. Oz. No, no. I'm not even Dr. Phil. But I don't think that when you get the chicken pox, you have visual hallucinations. See, the closest that I can think of it, and really I'm, I don't know because uh, – all right, well, let's, let's get into it now. When did you get the chicken pox? Before I can remember. Okay. I have no recollection. Exactly. I know I've had it. Exactly. The same with me. Like I, I know of a picture when I was like maybe two or three where I had the chicken pox. And I don't remember that at all. So I don't remember what it feels like. I don't remember how itchy it was or anything like that. It's all no idea. So I can't confirm or deny whether or not fever is a part of chicken pox. But even if it was, like, usually for a kid's grade fever, you at least as my experience is, you don't hallucinate, like, oh, you don't do waking hallucinations. Like, when you, when I have a fever... And I go to sleep, I have, like, vivid dreams that kind of turn into hallucinations. But that's about it. Yeah, I, I, again, I'm no expert. I know Grandma Thora mentions a fever later on in the mm. episode. But yeah, no, no sign of a fever. So I, maybe, I, maybe, maybe so. Uh, Arthur's, like, tripping, like, Val Kilmer and do- the doors or something. <laughs> like, these are the elephant comes off the page. It comes to life. It's huge. Well, this is, this is where Arthur's... This is where Arthur's imagination is bleeding into the real world, and we get some, like, real Inception-style crossover. Like, and we know how dark Arthur's imagination is from past episodes. Oh, yeah. So Arthur sees this giant blue elephant that is just an indicator of his sickness, but really had me concerned for his mental well-being. <laughs> so, of course, he goes to the nurse's office. Now, I tried. I paused this. I took a look as good as I could because this the nurse of Lakewood Elementary from what I could tell from her name tag, her name is Mrs. Cronia. It's like K-R-O and then it's like Mrs. Cronia. If she's Mrs. Crone, maybe she's Brazilian. Cronia? No, Cronia is not really a name that Related I'm familiar with. Crone Gracie, who knows? <laughs> is there a Crone Gracie? Oh, yeah. Wait, they went away from the, from the R-J thing? Dude, there's so many Gracies. Yeah, I don't even I want to get into it, but like some people like married into the Gracie family, yeah. and they started saying, "Come to my gym, I'm a Gracie." Okay, bud. So, so not so much Gracie, but a Schmacy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad uh, glad you laughed at that. I do I, I do I do I do that schma thing all the time, and to to very very little results. Uh, so Arthur's getting checked out by the nurse, Mrs. Cronia, and uh, so his friends are concerned. You know, are you sick? Is it contagious? Buster with the uh, pertinent question: Did you throw up yet? Which, of course, typical typical boy question. Yeah, I wrote in in quotation marks: Did you throw up yet? Buster thinking about those barf bags again. <laughs> He's just trying to get some uh, artisanal barf bags. He's going to make it himself. <laughs> artisanal barf bags. To, to paraphrase Rihanna, must have barf bags on the brain. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's Buster. Uh, so Arthur, of course, gets sent home with a little rest and quiet. He'll be good as new. Next shot is Arthur uh, on – okay, so the sitting room couch – and this this confused me. So Arthur's in the couch, and like, because in the Reed house, there's like, and maybe this is the same room, but some it's usually designed differently. Because there's the room 
off to the right of the door that has like the piano and the couch that they sit on. But then also like at the other end of the room, it must be a big room because there's the couch with the TV. Yeah. So my question is, why didn't you just sit Arthur on the TV couch? Why did you wheel the TV over to the other couch? Now, the only thing I can think of is this room has a view to the kitchen. So if, like, the parents need to check on him or okay. something, it's All easy right. access. Oh, yeah, okay. Or if he needs to yell to them. Okay. But you're right. I'm not sure if those are the same room as the TV room because yeah. they, they do have this contraption where they wheel this big yeah. old CRT TV yeah. in front of Arthur. And he's got his little – did for- you have one of those um, uh, lap tables? For when you were sick? Because I totally had one of these from when I was in bed and sick. Uh, probably at some point, but I never really got – we didn't like – I didn't get like breakfast in bed when I was sick. Not breakfast in bed, but I don't think I left my bed much when I was sick. So yeah. if I was having any meal, it would be like soup on a lap table in my bed. No, I feel like I had to come downstairs to eat even when I was sick. It's rough, man. <laughs> well, no, yeah, really, I'm suffering here. Arthur's got himself like a week's worth of apple juice. He's got like, he's got like box after box after box, and he's also eating. Speaking of box, he's eating crackers right out of the box, like just crackers. Maybe uh, my, my only guess is Ritz because that's the kind of cracker that's good all day. <laughs> Are you writing their new slogan? Well, no. Nah. Oh, there's some crackers that are good all day, but I'll tell you what. Hey, Arthur- gang. Hey, gang. Just wanted to let you know this podcast is brought to you by Ritz. No, it's not. No, it's not. Don't sue us. Don't sue us. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. Um, Arthur's – he's riding a slippery slope here because when <laughs> okay. I was sick when I was a little kid, yeah. I always wanted a bunch of apple juice as well. Okay. But then I drank too much apple juice when I was sick, and then when I started drinking apple juice when I wasn't sick, I got sick. Oh. Because it's one of those things where you associate yeah, the you feeling associate in your getting, body. Yep. Um, and so it ruined apple juice for me for a long while there. Things, so. things that I've ruined because I've gotten sick include um, – there was a type of hot pocket that President's Choice made once that gave me food poisoning, so I couldn't eat that anymore. Hey, you dodged a bullet on that one. You probably don't need to eat that every day. No. Uh, zesty cheese Doritos. Ooh, that one's less good. Not, not, for, not for long. Like, I can eat them today. Okay, but, you've gotten over it. Thank goodness. Uh, Guinness and uh, Jack Daniels Honey. Oh, okay. Haven't gone back to those yet, but <laughs> we're probably fine. Those were years ago. But man, did I ever get sick. Uh Drink responsibly, kids. So DW comes back home and is immediately convinced that Arthur's faking it because either he has a big test or, you know, Binky's threatening him. And so immediately, because so, of course, I've seen this episode before. I know where this is going. I know what, you know, the outcome is. But this, this is a concern I never had before was that so DW sits down next to Arthur red flag number one, <laughs> immediately grabs the crackers that Arthur's been eating out of the box and just goes to town. And I'm like, where, where are mom and dad? Like, take the crackers, like, get out, quarantine zone. Uh, I thought the exact same thing. Uh, though the mom and dad do intervene at a point and they make DW sit at the dinner table with them, but it's left unclear if their reasoning was because yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure if they do it. It might be a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B, but I'm not sure if they do it because DW shouldn't be close to Arthur because she'll get sick as well, or if they're doing it because you're not supposed to eat at the couch unless you're sick. Well, and my way of thinking, and granted it is confusing, and either of those could be uh, fine, uh, but that's the next scene where DW and Arthur are like mesmerized by the TV. They're watching an infomercial for a genuine <laughs> imitation leather cowbell. So it's, it's some good it's like daytime a, TV. It's like the Home Shopping Network or something. And then, like, 
mom kind of sees DW as she's reaching for like the you know the, one of those little rolly phones with the eyes. Like as she's kind of so. Oh, that's what that gag was. I was confused. Like, why did she get mad at her when she was reaching for the phone? But I see she was getting brainwashed by like the knife channel or whatever. I it guess was. so. No, yeah, the, the getting a cowbell, and then mom's just like, "Okay, that's it for TV. You guys have had enough." And then, and the, to which they say like, "We were right in the middle, and it was just getting to the good part." And I'm like, it's, "It's it's infomercials, dude. Like, there's no good part to get to. None of this is good." I don't know, man. Those P90X ones, pretty exciting. If you say so. I can't say I've watched an infomercial since I was a young, young lad. So, DW, it's time for her to have dinner. And, of course, I find that dad sometimes, maybe, I don't know if this is paleo or not, but, like, getting one single item on a on a plate and that's dinner. It's just, like, it's a whole plate of spinach. And it's just, like, spinach for dinner, y'all. Hey, they got to eat their leafy greens. Maybe they're from the South. And and nothing else. (laughs) Maybe they're from the South and they're eating their collard greens. Collard greens. So, well, DW even says, spinach. Oh, okay. And, of course, spinach will become very controversial for for DW. Spinach will become very controversial for the WWE very soon. The DWWE. Yeah, maybe spinach is a euphemism for steroids. Got to eat those leafy steroids. Mexican supplements. (laughs) So, excuse me. Uh, So, Arthur's eating soup, again, on that little tray thing you mentioned. And, you know, why do I have to eat a table? Why doesn't Arthur have to eat spinach? And their mom and dad are both like, because he's sick. He's eating soup, but he's got cake off to the side. I paused it here because I was like, why is DW jealous of Arthur? Like, I get that she's bummed about eating greens, but like chicken noodle soup's not that much better. Mm. It's a little bit better, but it's not something to be excited about. But there's totally like a slice of cake on Arthur's table. And I'm thinking that is not good for you when you're sick at all. It's a lot of sugar and like it'll dry you out. It's sugar. It's dairy. Like it's all things that you really shouldn't have when you're sick. Well, as we'll see later, Arthur gets treated like a king when he's sick. Um, So Arthur kind of has a nightmare that night going to bed. Maybe it's from the cake. Maybe. Uh, it's happened. It's, it'll happen to him later. Uh, So it's him at the circus and like he open. he wakes up. His bed is on the top like tightrope. And then he's expected to um, to ride a unicycle across the tightrope. It's right out of Pee-wee's Big Top. Big Top Pee-wee. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that one. Big Pee-wee Herman yes. finds his way through some wacky hijinks onto a circus, uh, and they expect him to walk the tightrope with no prior experience. And it's like the 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 muscle the muscled Russian voiced by Mr. <laughs> Ratburn. Like, you ride from here to there. Like, yeah, it's like I'm Russian, like, but it's a little bit of Transylvania. Yeah, too. like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> like Mr. Ratburn doing the vampire voice in the second episode. Exactly. You are in my power. I'm like, <laughs> Hi, Mr. Ratburn. <laughs> so Arthur starts to unicycle quite well. At least, I mean, like if it were me, like I'd be dead in five seconds. <laughs> no joke. But Arthur starts to cycle and, and then uh, kind of starts to look down. Everybody's kind of gasping. Then he ends up kind of flying Graysonsing himself, like at the very end. Like he just kind of flies up to the top of the now spinning circus top, and then goodness knows what would have happened to him if he'd stayed if he'd stayed asleep. <laughs> you die in the dream. You die for real. So of course, he needed the kick. So, so of course, uh, Arthur wakes up and he's covered with red spots, and he's a uh, 
chicken pox. So he like runs to the bathroom, runs out screaming, and then all the whole family wakes up. And DW says Arthur's got polka dots. And of course, this is where you get the explanation of what chicken pox was. Because at the time, I don't think I would have known what it was. Because again, I was very small when I got it, and I wouldn't have exactly known. So chicken pox, you know, normal childhood illness. You know, these days. Uh, it's kind of controversial topic whether or not you know sometimes parents have chicken pox parties. Where uh, what? Yeah, it's uh, see, like I say, like <laughs> I say, not all not all parents will do this. It's very controversial, but some have been known to like bring like purposely make their kids like uh, expose them to a kid with chicken pox so they can get it out of the way. That's like something out of Mask of the Red Death. That's crazy. Nice. That's insane. So they like, I get it that you want to get out of the way, especially like us, where yeah. it was so long ago that we didn't because even chick- remember how. Because, because it sounds if, uncomfortable. Yeah, if you've never gotten it, chicken pox is something that uh, that only, really only happens to you once. And A cousin of mine got it twice, and apparently the people that get it twice, the second time it's brutal. Ooh. It's way, way worse. It could be actually dangerous Jeez. you get it the second time. I time. just assumed you were immune after getting it once, but I guess there's a... There's an exception for everything in this weird world of ours. So, uh, you know, they mentioned, you know, chicken pox, uh, that it may keep Arthur from going to the circus because, as, as his mother says, chicken pox is very contagious. To which I said, why is DW in the bed next to him touching him? Like, so much... Like I, I don't know. I do not know where the where mom and dad's head are at in this one because DW is all over Arthur. Maybe she washed her hands afterwards, <laughs> or maybe they're having their own little private mini little chicken pox party. You didn't tell me uh, now that I know about these horrific disease cesspools. Well, even before that, they didn't even know it was chicken pox that evening, and DW was just sitting next to the sick boy, so <laughs> I don't know what what in the world they were thinking. So the next morning, Grandma Thor is going to be coming by uh, to take care of Arthur, but before that, we get Nurse DW, which I gotta say, not only does DW have a spiffy nurse costume, which she wore in uh, the baby episode, but she has her own monogrammed doctor bag, Dr. DW. Did you see that? Yeah. I, she's getting a lot of mileage out of this nurse outfit. Yeah. She's got a real real uh, bag of tricks there. And, of course, she's kind of torturing Arthur, you know, putting the, putting the thermometer in wrong. And, and then, of course, again, touching him, she's like spreading galamine lotion on his chest. And just like germ city here, people. We're through the looking glass. <laughs> so, so grandma, she's like Gwyneth Paltrow in Contagion. Wow, it's been a long time since I saw that movie. It's a gross movie. That's what this episode reminded me of. All Contag- this disease, Contagion. all this gross disease touching. I kept thinking about Contagion. <laughs> uh, so Grandma Thor is by, and like I say, Arthur gets treated like a king when he is sick here. So it starts off with Grandma Thor giving him an oatmeal bath, which I'm not exactly sure of the properties or like what exactly that does, but I imagine maybe it just soothes itchy skin. Yeah, I, like girls will have oatmeal bath, like oatmeal face masks to help okay. out their skin and to like clean their pores and stuff like that. Right. It's part of that whole face mask thing. Again, I'm I'm kind of flying blind here, but this is how I understand it. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust you there. So I think it's not something that necessarily like cures chicken pox or anything, but it must soothe the. I think the main issue with chicken pox, from what I can tell from this episode, is you can have a fever and like. 
tons of skin irritation, obviously, because yep. it's breaking out everywhere. So I think this soothes. Which, the, which, which is grandma. Sorry to interrupt you, but as Grandma Thora says, it could lead to an infection if, if you, you scratch. If you scratch and you break those uh, those uh, poxes. So I think this helps soothe the itchy and irritating mm. feeling. Arthur does say it feels great. And so DW is kind of Grandma Thor's assistant through all this. She's being very hardline uh, in making sure Arthur doesn't, like, scratch. And, like, she's really, like, monitoring like a hawk. Um, and also Arthur gets to drink out of the crazy straw. So before we get to that, yeah. uh, Arthur does indeed – he, like, scratches a little bit or something. Like he's, ab- like, absently coming out, of the, uh, coming out of the bath. And we get some foreshadowing for one of my favorite Arthur episodes. DW busts out this whistle. Oh, the whistle. And she starts blowing it like nobody's business to try and uh, get she- Grandma Thor to come like it's an emergency and I think DW takes her job a little bit more seriously than Grandma Thora intended because Grandma Thora is kind of like, whatever, he scratched, she, like he's yeah. sick. And DW like, feels like she just caught him in a big crime or something, which is some foreshadowing to it's, another Arthur It's the episode. black and white ideology of a four-year-old. DW, exactly. DW blowing the whistle here like the big deal Titus O'Neil. Oora, <laughs> uh, oora, oora. Uh, so, like I say, Arthur gets to drink out of the crazy straw, which when I was a kid, crazy straws were awesome. Same here. I totally agree. Which now that, but now that I'm older, I remember how much effort it took to drink out of crazy straws because, like, I had one that was shaped like Mickey Mouse that my uh, family brought back from Disney World, and it was like, you know, when it's from a straw, it's like you know the the furthest the closest distance between two points is a straight line, and <laughs> straw is basically a straight line. But with this, it's like you have to put so much. A- air into sucking out whatever drink it is it's like it's got to go up it's got to take the loop through the one ear take the loop through the second ear and then you and then i had some crazier ones than that much like arthur i only got the crazy straw when i was sick as well Mm. so i wonder what the correlation is there though i think it's as grandma thora says it's covered with germs well so that's the thing that turned me off crazy straws as an adult wasn't exactly the effort it's that when um, you have to clean a crazy straw, it's a lot harder to thoroughly clean it like a normal plastic straw mm. because it's not a straight line. Uh, bacteria and stuff, food particles and juice particles and sugar particles will kind of sit in mm. the loops, the curvatures of the crazy straw. Yeah. And so they kind of get moldy and stuff on the inside. Straws are not an old man's game, I'm afraid to say, which is why I try not to drink with one when I can, can handle it because who needs it? Uh, just, just put the drink right in my mouth. Uh, <laughs> uh, so this, uh, so of course, Grandma Thora, like DW, catches him scratching, and she's just kind of like, "That's nice." Like, who cares? And she gets him this huge platter, and it's like you, you talked about cake earlier. She's got like several cakes here with like sparklers and stuff. It's like it's his birthday. This this episode makes chicken pox seem amazing. Well, it's like he ordered it's like he ordered bottle service at the club. <laughs> like he he spent 240 bucks for a bottle of Ciroc that's actually 60 because there they is, come out with the sparklers. There is no pox in the champagne room. <laughs> oh, that's a good one though. It's it is. It's like kid bottle service. <laughs> uh, Chicken box, kid uh, bottle service. <laughs> Uh, So I will say it it looks awesome, this platter from Grandma, but later on, as we'll learn, Grandma Thora, not a good cook. So my question is, does this actually suck? (laughs) Maybe she just bought, like, the cannolis from, like, a grocery store or something. Could be. Could be. You know what? Let's hope so. So DW is getting, at this point, very jealous. Um, First of all, I want to say, does she have – does DW have nothing better to do? 
Absolutely not. Like she, like why doesn't why isn't she at like preschool or something? Oh, I well maybe it's a weekend because if the circ maybe the circus is on a Sunday and this is a Saturday. But then why would no? It's on it's on a Saturday. Why would their parents? This would be a Friday. Oh, why would their parents be out? Yeah, so it must be a weekday. You know what? You could make up any kind of explanation here. Just like, uh, you know, when I was in preschool, it wouldn't be on every single day. Maybe it's easier for them instead of like paying for the day for preschool to just have Grandma Thora look after her. Maybe DW wants to hang out with Grandma Thora, which is like, sure, whatever. Maybe this takes place in the continuity right before DW would have started going to preschool. I don't know. There's a lot of unanswered questions here. Writers. We need we need need you on this here. What's the actual timeline? (laughs) Also, as we said, the crazy straw is covered. Grandma Thora says it's covered with germs. You know what else is covered with germs? Arthur's bare chest that DW had her hands all over with the galamine lotion. Like, what are we missing here? Like, what are they missing here? What are what are we even what are we even doing? As as I was going to say earlier, DW kind of starting to get jealous because Arthur's getting all this special attention, and it seems to be because of all the chicken pox. And speaking of special attention, Grandma Thora gives Arthur a, a primo back rub by telling him the story of when he was born. He was getting special treatment before, yeah. But this is the upper echelon, first class, next level. He's getting massaged, yeah. with like his shirt off, yeah. Or it's like his shirt buttoned open. I don't remember. It's kind of no, like, no. It's with, with his shirt off, and I assume it's just to kind of so that the yeah. My guess would be that so his pajamas don't like irritate him, and just so they and can so she actually... she's kind of rubbing the pox so it's not as itchy, but without him actually scratching with his nails. I assume yeah. uh, it's just kind of a weird sight. I'm not used to seeing Arthur with his shirt off unless he's swimming. We don't really yeah. see him like that that often. It's true. Uh, so just a couple of tidbits about when Arthur was born. Uh, his dad's car was busted and they and Grandma Thor was waiting with Arthur's mom in the kitchen and so they had to take a taxi to the to the hospital. Apparently it was this close. <laughs> this close to being born in the Reed family house. So there you go. Um, so DW uh, wants the same attention that Arthur does. So she goes up to the the um, the bathroom into her mother's makeup and does what I can only assume is a Rick Baker level makeup job. So right before that, though, I wanted to mention yeah. uh, DW asks, well, right. what about the story when I was born? And Grandma Thor goes, I think I was in Florida then. <laughs> so not only does she not know the story, she doesn't even remember her excuse for why she wasn't there. She <laughs> thinks she was in Florida. Right. She's not sure where she was when DW was born. I mean, it's like she, she couldn't control where she was going to be, but it does seem like DW is the total afterthought here of just like eh, I think I was in Florida or something also cross another state off the list we know Elwood City is definitely not in Florida okay thank goodness too what a bad state <laughs> yeah, anyway that, that, I apologize to be, all our Florida listeners that would be crazy maybe maybe Binka, Binky is Florida man <laughs> or something I wouldn't put it past the rough customers <laughs> tough, customers, tough customers excuse me uh, the rough customers are their non-union Mexican equivalents. <laughs> El hombre is rough. Uh, Rick Baker makeup job here to DW the Tom Savini of the uh, of the Reed family household because she'd kind of like just put spots on herself and she does a a great she DW an awesome actor slash manipulator because just great read here of pretending to be sick of just like I need an oatmeal bath and some. 
juice with a, a, a crazy straw, like really milking it for all it's worth. Yeah, DW's fake sick voice is like she put ellipses in between every word. It's like you're reading one of those diaries in Resident Evil of someone yes. turning into a zombie, like itchy, tasty, scratchy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, so, but, of course, as soon as DW gets in the bath, all her makeup disappears and the jig is up. So later on that night, she's kind of talking with her father about it. And she says uh, – and, and, and at this point, so she equates the special treatment with getting chicken pox. So she, it's not that Arthur gets special treatment. It's that she's jealous that Arthur has chicken pox in the first place so that all this can happen to her. And, you know uh, – Dad says, chicken pox is no fun. And she says, yes, it is. It's more fun than anything. I'm like privileged white aardvarks over here. <laughs> like praying to get chicken pox to get sick so they can get special treatment. Dad says, if you don't want to suffer through the circus tomorrow, you can stay home with Arthur. Like, woohoo. So the next morning, it's all leading up to whether or not Arthur is well enough to go. Arthur's on the phone with Buster and Grandma Thor gives him like a check over. You know, spots are healing. No sign of a fever. Grandma Thor says yes. Real talk, though, if I were Arthur's mom or dad, I'd probably keep him home for another day just to make sure. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, then you're going somewhere where Arthur's with his friends and with tons of kids. And I wouldn't want to necessarily risk infecting anybody's kids with chickenpox. Yeah, I guess I just don't know. I don't know if, like, chickenpox is, like, strep for where it's only really contagious before you know you have it or whatever. or, like, 24 hours or something. Anyway, whatever. (laughs) So DW comes down the stairs and, uh, you know, we we don't see her face or exposed skin for some reason. Uh, And she says, I've decided I'm going to the circus. And this is is great. I do do enjoy this moment. This This is, like, really ridiculous. This this works a lot better as you get older and you're kind of maybe not in the exact position of of mom and dad but you're kind of in the adult set of mind and so they kind of turn around and are surprised to find the DW's face is covered in in spots and she says you know I only wanted chicken pox because I was jealous and then they're just like oh honey I know you really want to go to the circus. Like, they're just, they're trying to tell her that, you know, it's like, I'm afraid we have some bad news. But they're like, they're just like laughing into their hands, trying not to like go. Well, I think think they also want to reward DW for, she came to the right conclusion on herself, right? It's actually kind of sweet to hear from DW because I was kind of annoyed with DW this whole episode. And so it was nice to hear Mm -hmm. that she had learned her lesson and that she was like, she can't, it's pretty self-reflective for a girl her age. I know I definitely wouldn't be able to come to the self-realization that, oh, I was just acting this way because I was jealous. Yeah. It's, it's a very, it's a very big moment for her. And Uh, then, but then the parents kind of laugh it off because it's, oh, isn't it ironic? A thousand spoons when all you need is a fork. You got the chicken pox. Isn't, isn't it ironic we let our we let our daughter who has not had the chicken pox around our kid who does have the chicken pox? What did we expect to happen? <sighs> so, of course, DW finds out that she has chicken pox. And I must say, funny that she didn't hallucinate, but Arthur did. But then again, she mom, doesn't have that messed up mind Arthur does with the heads popping off. True. Then again, and she, the torture chambers. She's so many, so many things I could refer to. She does go into a bit of mania, as Mom says. She must be running a fever because she's running around jumping. So like she power slides into Pal's dish and just like, look at me, Pal spots. So she's she is as happy as a clam. And so she's going upstairs and you know proudly shows Arthur, I have spots and you don't. 
To which Arthur's like, but you're going to miss a circus. And the W said, and the final line of the episode is, the circus comes every year. You only get chicken pox once. It's, it's strange. It's really strange. And now a word from us kids. Did you watch this one? I saw this one. Okay, good. Um, one kid just starts off, and I t- after this whole episode of DW uh, sort of idolizing being sick and glorifying the concept of being sick, oh, it's this fun thing. I was happy to hear this one kid start us off right and go, it's bad to be sick. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, dude, I totally agree. Well, so it's a, it's a, it's an elementary class, Some uh, mostly in like – a lot of them covered in like those little red dot stickers to like say, "Ooh, they got the chicken pox," and like what happens when you're sick. So like you know you have to stay home, you can't go outside, and a lot of them are like negative consequences. Like you can't go outside, um, you can't you know eat your favorite foods, uh, you can't go to school, that kind of stuff. You can't see your friends. So the one benefit you do get to watch TV all day, but it's yes, but it's daytime <laughs> TV. That's like, true. That's they get to watch Maury. All the Maury they could want. Great. Or just sleep through it all. I thought that these these kids are actually a pretty good batch. Like they have some uh, chicken pox poems that they read out. I thought that I thought that they like, you know, they cut to them sometimes and they get, they're like covered in the stickers or like, you know, it's like pretend to be sick. And I thought they got into it. Like some kids, like again, no offense. These are, these are young children, so I don't want to like criticize their acting or anything. But, you know, sometimes you get kids who are – Less comfortable in front of the cameras. And these kids, for the most part, were pretty comfortable. This one girl reads this chicken pox poem that is so disgusting. Like, it is so vivid and disgusting. She literally talks about, like, pus and stuff. And it was, like, she gets into real nitty-gritty detail, and I wanted to hurl. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is, like, really gross (laughs) coming from this little girl. Uh, but besides that, it was fine, I guess. I was really turned off by that one poem. I was like, this is some gruesome stuff. Yeah, not not as fan of the gross the gross out humor as than we were as kids. All right, so second half of the episode is, to my delight, it's another pal centric episode. It's called "Sick as a Dog." Uh, so we started off with Arthur teaching Pal a few. Or at least Pal learning lessons the hard way. Well, first off, one of them is Arthur trying out a new trick, which is what he says, "What's a worm do?" And then Pal kind of gets on his back and does a little bit of a, a little bit of a shimmy. But that was cute. <laughs> um, but of course, uh, Pal kind of learning lessons the hard way, which you know he's still, even though this is collar Pal. I must note in the pre in Arthur's chicken pox, Pal did not have his collar on, so he was probably just only freshly trained. Uh, you know. When you get collar pal, you're used to a you know a certain level of decorum from him. <laughs> but you know he's still he's still a puppy, so he's he's gonna have a you know a few bad moments here and there. The collar but, signifies rank of train. Yes, he is. Uh, uh, he would be at the mid stage right now, the Charmeleon of of pals before he becomes the Charizard later on in his life. Uh, so one of them is that pal sees this this other very cute Doberman puppy in the street, and. Uh, Arthur kind of loses control of him, and then they turn a corner, and it's the Doberman puppy, and it's enormous mother or father who is just unleashed and running free in the streets. As the puppy was, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they both kind of have like a little spike collar, and so Arthur get and so Arthur scoops up Pal and is being chased down the street by this dog that is as tall as him. It's it's pretty terrifying, <laughs> and then a little less terrifying is. Uh, uh, pal chewing on the hose 
and leaving a bunch of holes in it. So Arthur's Arthur's brilliant plan is to scotch, not scotch, masking tape over them, so that hopefully that'll so Dad will never know. Yeah, he'll but never if, be none the wiser. Yeah, and then of course Dad tries the hose and gets sprayed in the face, and then it just he ends immediately with, knows it's Arthur. Yeah, too. And, yeah, it's like Arthur, and then then Arthur's just like, "Want to go for a walk, boy? You want you want to get the hell out of here? What, you want to go? You want to go tap dance on the roof? Let's go! Let's go! Hey, boy, you want to skip town? <laughs> exactly. Um, Got these plane tickets to Mexico. Right. Um, so it's kind of a few scenes of Arthur kind of absently feeding Pal people food, which right away you're like, mm. like, I don't know a lot about owning dogs, but, uh, you know, I've I'm never I would never be comfortable with like just just feeding a dog something off of my plate. You know, like when you're at somebody's house that has a dog and then you just go like, oh, here you go. Like, I'd never be comfortable with that because I have no idea what's good for them and what isn't. It's yeah. Like, except like chocolate or peanut butter. Well, those are ch- – chocolate is definitely not good for them. All right. Yeah. Chocolate is like a big no-no. But dogs that, can that totally eat peanut butter. Like, okay. Well, so, okay. See, that I, that I didn't know. Yeah, peanut butter – actually, sure dogs love peanut butter. Like, they have toys where you put, fill them with peanut butter and then the dog licks it all day. But I will say that like, uh, like my dog will eat people food from time to time. Uh, like especially specific meats and stuff. It's it, it, it's certain things they can't eat and certain things they can't. It's like anything else. Though I know some people will – some people will either – I'm not sure if they do this with dogs, but I know for certain people do this with cats. Well, they're, they'll feed their cat a diet of people food. Um, certain uh, cats it, – it, are, are those the people that are like, oh, my, my, my cat is vegan? No, no, and that's that's actually really cruel. You shouldn't, that, you shouldn't do, the, do that to a cat. Because that's dumb and senseless. Well, they're carnivores, and that's bad for their diet. Exactly. No, it's not a philosophical thing. Like, it's a medical thing. Like, um, my my girlfriend's uh, parents' cat had stomach issues, mm. and so it couldn't keep, like, cat food down, but it could eat specific types of people food. So, like, that is a thing. Like, not it's, it's, it's one of those cases where it's a case-by-case thing, and not all people food is bad for dogs or animals across the board. Yes. But specific things are. Yeah. For instance, a pancake doused in syrup, maybe not the best idea. Yeah, and it certainly gets worse. Like Arthur's kind of, you know, uh, slingshotting some pancakes to Pal and uh, maybe not supposed to be doing that. Then uh, later on in the treehouse, Arthur and Pal are reading together, which there's a couple times where this episode really brings into question, like, how sentient are these animals? Because it's like Arthur's like, done with this page? And Pal's like, Meow. And I'm like, he, uh, uh? like, I, I, I get it. It's cute, but like, you're not really reading with him, are you? The elephant stealing DW's food was the first shot <laughs> in the four-legged animal <laughs> uprising. It's the dawn of the planet of the animals of of the Arthur universe. So, whether while they're up there, uh, Arthur has some old candy that he hid under the floorboards of the treehouse. It's like it, it's this is a really funny gag too because you can see like Halloween labeling mm. on it, so you can he's, tell this is like old. He says, "I can't remember if they're from this year's Halloween or last year." <laughs> oh boy! Uh, and and so one of the things he gives to Pal, which is like absolutely a no no, is like this like stringy gummy candy that's it's like supposed a gummy to, worm. Yeah, it's supposed to be really hard to chew, and Pal's having a real time with it, and. Also, like, these mint balls, too. And I'm like, that's not for dogs. Stop it. And then finally, when Arthur goes in for lunch, it's hot dogs, and he's going to give Pal a piece of his uh, of his bun. Hot but- dog sandwiches. They're eating They're eating hot dogs. The Reed family, they don't use buns. Maybe they want to save money because I know they always sell you more buns than there are hot dogs. Oh, with the, with the bread folded over? Is but, that what they're doing? No, they're, they just have two slices of bread, like – 
on a hot dog. It's like a hot dog sandwich. I think it might just be a piece of bread folded over, but they're definitely not hot dog buns. Some of the uh, I don't know. Some I'm a hundred percent certain because I like <laughs> I, I I paused it and I like looked at it. and I was like, those are hot dog buns. If you say so, but there are some hot dog buns that separate pretty easily. Like some of the cheaper ones will like you know there's barely bread holding them together so they just end up with these two halves hmm. so maybe I don't know I, I can't say I noticed but then DW is kind of absentmindedly holding her hot dog and then in the moment that I remember made my class we were watching this episode in the library on like videotape uh, or maybe it was in our classroom I don't remember but we were watching it and DW of course says the dogs got my wiener and seven or eight year olds hearing the dogs got my wiener, we howled and howled. Well, her delivery is pretty funny. Like she like yells it and she repeats it, doesn't he? Doesn't she? She says it a couple times. Mm, yeah, the dogs the, got yeah, my the dogs wiener. Got the dogs my got wiener. my wiener. She keep, really hits that point yeah, home. Yeah, they keep calling it a wiener. And well, it's like, of all the things, I think that might be a regional thing. Yeah. Uh, like pop and soda. Sure. Wiener hot dog. Um, she also makes a really salient point. She says, pal, I don't eat your dog, dog food. Do yeah, I? I don't eat your dog food, do yeah. I? Which, so, good point. Of course, but pal's, pal is only a dog, so he sees meat. He goes for it. A dog that can read, apparently. Yeah, who, who knows? So this hot, so they're, so they're doing a tug of war at one point over this hot dog. This hot dog's getting stretched like it's in the dungeon at Stu Hart's mansion. <laughs> so they're just kind of tug of warring, and DW says, I'll never let go. Never. And then, of course, and of course, nature takes its course. DW ends up with the bun, and Pal eats the hot dog covered with mustard. I might add, and DW says, "Someday I'm going to teach that dog a lesson he won't forget," which is supposed to be kind of our uh, something to remember for later. Uh, cut to Arthur, who's playing with his action figures. It's like Bionic Bunny and one of the uh, you know, like the Rat Gang with the domino mask and stuff. Arthur's pretend stories still not that great. Oh, I was kind of into this but, one. I was like, oh, this dialogue's kind of cool, Arthur. It's not exactly like a mammoth script, but it's getting there. <laughs> well, it's like in the last one, it's just like when he the episode with the Toad, where Arthur's just like, it's like. Evil Lord Karnak, you'll never touch us now. We're safe within the castle. I'm like, yeah, real real great way to make me want to keep listening, Arthur. And then this was like, surrender now, bionic bubble brain. Never. Like, <laughs> I don't real know. Real compelling I think, stuff there. I think kid. that's on character for bionic buddy. He's not the quippiest dude. Sure, but just like, no. <laughs> great, thanks. So this one was a little bit... Uh, this this was a little bit unsettling, and I imagine for some kids this might be pretty scary. It's like you kind of see Pal approach the frame of Arthur's door while he's playing, and he kind of just slumps over, and it's this very stark angle of Arthur looking back, and his eyes are wide open, and he's really worried. He's like, hey, Pal, you okay? And then Ar- and then Pal makes this noise. It's like the kind of noise and then Arthur rushes out of the room to his parents to find out what's wrong it's like it was pretty stark it was like I didn't expect it to be so uh Almost chilling to a point. I especially wrote down that the noise was unsettling just because it was so I, – I don't know if they're actually trying to emulate a specific noise that a dog makes. I've right. never heard it before. But it was so uncharacteristic coming out of Pal that you're like, ooh, that's weird. Yeah, that's a weird noise Pal's making. Yeah, it sounds like a submarine or is Arthur, Arthur compares it to like a car horn underwater. And, you know, like the uh, – they're going to let him rest and then maybe and then take him to the vet later which i take issue with as a dog owner myself 
if, if my dog made a noise like that, it's going to the vet immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't wait on it or let it sleep. Like, I don't know. You can tell from the jump, like, Pal's not all right. right. Like you said, from the way he looks. So I kind of take into question. Uh, Just d- doubled over tongue hanging out. But, of course, yeah. this is the, I'm, I'm guessing this is the first time Pal's really gotten sick. So they're not... 100% sure. Uh, Arthur's kind of talking with his friends about potentially taking uh, Pal to the vet. Francine telling the story about her cousin's chameleon that escaped from the vet. It changed the color of the wall and slid out the air vent, and it was never seen again. And then it goes by, and you're like, there it is. There's the chameleon. And then Buster says, luckily, Pal can't change colors or slither into a vent. In case he's, in case Arthur's worried about that. Then Brain says that uh, vets know how to talk to dogs. Or know how to talk to pets, and it's this uh, this cutaway of the vet character who is holding a conversation with Pal, who's speaking English for the first and not the last time, with what seems to be like Arthur's voice. Arthur's actor? voice, yeah, like very the, strange, almost a little bit more childish. He's like, my tongue hangs out when I go, Ugh. and it's like almost a little bit like he's trying to talk like a toddler, like mm-hmm. kind of a simpler form of English for pal. And then this really goes to dark places. Speaking of Arthur's dark imagination, you know, it's like pal makes the noise and then the vet in his imagination is just like, oh, I'll have to operate. Cut to him with like a buzz, a table buzzsaw, a rotary saw. Yeah, this and vet's it, been watching a lot of reanimator. And all he says is, would you like a blindfold? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch that. That's like, crazy. I'm like, I would like some more than that, my dude. <laughs> would you like a blindfold? So, uh, Do you want a piece of wood to bite on? So Pal's kind of resting in the kitchen on, you know, like a pillow or whatever. And then, you know, Arthur kind of comes up to him and is just like, it's time for your walk. We get a we get a funny shot from Pal's point of view where Arthur is like, it's like filming him with a fish eye lens or something. Like, his like his part of his features are like warping really close to the camera, but he's also really far away. He's like, I said it's time for your walk. Yeah, I'm not sure if they were trying to say that's what Pal sees the world as when he's sick, or that's what Pal sees the world as all the time, but it is a very beastie boys camera <laughs> angle. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh so of course then they decide to take him to the vet because uh Pal doesn't want to go for a walk, and that's his favorite thing. To which W says, I thought chewing on the hose is his favorite thing. <laughs> Uh, so we get a couple of weird encounters here at the vet that kind of are just strange one-offs. Like, for example, there's this random adult magician that is on a first-name basis with Arthur. <laughs> I don't know who this guy Like, he looks like maybe he's Jack from Jack's Joke Shop, but he's got a different voice, so I don't know. But he's just like, dog not feeling well, Arthur? And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> uh, so he's there with this snake who tied itself in a knot. That's right. What's the snake's name? It's got like a feminine name. Victoria. Victoria. Which I'm not sure if that's a vet issue. I don't think you would take a snake. Maybe they need to put the snake to sleep to untangle it without it getting uncomfortable. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, It's a big snake. And then Sue Ellen says her snail's been acting sluggish. And I wasn't wasn't really sure if this was a joke or not. So kind of didn't pay much attention to it. So then dad comes back and says that pal's going to have to stay at the vet overnight. To which Arthur says, but dad... He's never been away from me, ever. And I'm like, do you not go to school? Like, what does he do when you go to – you don't bring him to school. Have you ever been on vacation when he's there? You've been away from him. Like, it's not that – like, like I I get why Arthur's upset about it, but, like, really, pal's going to be okay. Like – He's, yeah. just, he's just in a strange place. And, like, I understand, but it's just like, think about it, man. You've been away from him. 
technically. For, well, I think we get a little look into Arthur's imagination later, and I think that sheds a little bit more light on why he's worried. Though he does do a bad way, he does do a bad job of expressing why he's upset. Like, well, and it just sounds like he's like, "Oh, pal's never been away from me," which is obviously not true. Well, it's it's he does has been away from him in this capacity. Of course, I totally understand why he's upset. He doesn't want to be away from pal when he's feeling badly. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's. It's sweet and it's sad and all that kind of things. Like I say, Arthur – Pal in many ways is kind of more Arthur's best friend than Buster. And that's not a – that's not an insult to Buster. It's just really the relationship that the two of them have. Pal certainly gets him in less trouble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so at dinner, we get a, we get a nice uh, pair of scenes here of DW being real insensitive to Arthur's plight. So first off, like it's like Arthur kind of pushed his food around, not eating. And then DW says, look at the bright side. Now we can get a good dog. <laughs> Savage. I know. And it's just like, wow, she took her moment. And then, But then she's like, what? What did I say? <laughs> like, it's a real, like, it's a real heel manager move of just like, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? Or like street comedian, like, hey, what's pal from New Jersey? What? What did I say? Hey, hey. It's, it's a prank, bro. It's just a prank. Yeah, maybe maybe DW's either got a career in YouTube coming up or a career in stand-up. I'm not sure which is worse. So then uh, DW kind of comes up to apologize to Arthur. To, she says, I didn't mean to a she says, I didn't mean to upset you at dinner, to which I was like, you kind of did mean that, though. Oh, like, I think I think DW just has – I think she's one of those little kids that's just a sociopath, and she has uh, no uh, concept of her words uh, hurt people. So yeah. I think she just kind of says whatever comes into her little brain. Pretty much. She, was just, she, she thought maybe she could get in a quick laugh, but then realized it was a little too soon. So then it does seem like a sincere apology. She's like – I w- it's like I want you. I want you to know that I understand how you feel. I felt the same way when my bird died, which honestly is, you know, it seems to be her like being genuine, but it really upsets Arthur. Also, with some perky continuity, we 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 haven't heard about Perky since uh, he kicked the bucket. You're, you're bucket. Spanky, Spanky, Perky, Who's Perky, Perky's Perky, pal's mother. Per- Perky's pal's mother. My, they're both. They both end with Y. Perky, Spanky. Yes, something. that's how little Spanky's been brought up. Is <laughs> right. that we? I've forgotten his name, but we, this is the first time we hear from Spanky. So this is enough for Arthur to kind of suspect that DW may have done something to make Pal sick. You know, she, he says she always hated him, and of course, she did say earlier she'll teach him a lesson that he won't forget. So uh, Arthur kind of gets his friends together and suggests that they play a little courtroom. Well, uh, Buster suggests, let's call the cops, cops and, and put, put her in prison. And then Brain says something to the effect, they can't do that. It's like she's innocent until proven guilty. We learned that in class. And so they decide to have their own mock trial. The, so they bring DW out to the treehouse to quote unquote play. So in this courtroom scenario, Brain is the judge. He's like wearing this long overcoat with a. I ba- am the law. With with ba- with a baseball bat. Yeah, he's the judge, dread and executioner here. Uh, Francine is uh, DW's lawyer, for which she has her movie star glasses from the first episode. And then Buster is the jury. DW is accused of making Pal ill, and of course Arthur is the prosecuting attorney. Uh, grilling her, uh, you know, he says, how did you make pal sick? And she says, why would I do that? And then Buster says, uh, and I wrote this down to make, to make sure I got it correct. She, he says, I know why. She's probably an alien replicant sent to get rid of all dogs in preparation for an alien invasion because only dogs can tell who is human, who is a robot and who is truly human. Great idea. That's not a bad idea. I only realize this now, but Buster probably grows up to watch a lot of Info Wars, doesn't he? Oh, I hope not. I, I, I think he does, though. 
He's buying those vitamins because they put the fluorine in the fluoride in the water. They put the fluoride in the water and the reptiles. I'm a bunny. I'm a bunny. My heart's pumping blood. And, and I pumps fast. And I'm coming. <laughs> this is what I am. <laughs> if They're war- demons. They're literally demons. Catch him in bed with a goblin. A bed with a <laughs> goblin vomit. Yeah, the arrow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I really hope not. Uh, so then we get a second pal dream from Arthur. This one again, very, very intense. So he dreams that Pal is at the vet and he's being like menaced by these big dogs in his in the, like this little cage that he's in. This dream is so weird mm. because listen, I love the bizarre dream sequences yes, that Arthur has to offer. But this one goes in, like, this one zigs when I think it's going to zag. Like, this one goes in so many strange directions so that the, I was kind of left more confused. <laughs> so the dogs try to open the lock, and then DW comes out of nowhere, and she says, I can do it, and then unlocks it, and then continues to menace Powell. And then uh, all of a sudden, Arthur gets a call at home, and it's Powell on the phone. Uh, and then... All of a sudden, we cut back to the vet, and like the phone's been taken off the hook. Uh, the vet has been like tied up in a rolling chair by apparently the dogs, who are now staging some kind of prison break and taking Pal with them. Yeah, they're holding him by the back of his neck. Yeah, in their mouth. It's just like, what are the what's the dogs' mo here? Like, if they wanted to break out of prison, why do they have to kidnap Pal as well? Why did Pal? Why do they give Pal the chance to call Arthur? And then all of a sudden, they cut to the window, which is apparently like like prison bars almost, and we see the snake from earlier. It's got the vet's buzz saw in its hand, and it saws off one of the bars so the dogs can escape. And then Arthur runs down to the vet where there's like police and helicopters, SWAT teams, and everything, and the vet gives him. A piece of paper. It's just like they left this note when they broke out. No one knows where they went. It's just like paw prints. Ha ha. And it just ends with the helicopter shining its light and Arthur being like, pal, where are you? I get that it's supposed to like signify Arthur's anxieties about pal sleeping over <laughs> at the vet's office. But it's like, where did all this come from? This like prison break crime hostage situation <laughs> very strange but you know what the whole thing that saves it is when arthur wakes up arthur he w- acknowledges he says what a ridiculous dream and then the most ridiculous thing that comes to his mind out of everything that we saw is that pal doesn't even know our phone number <laughs> not let alone the fact that pal doesn't have thumbs to operate a phone <laughs> So, so there's so many, but yeah, at least they kind of lampshaded at the end of there of just like, well, that was that was weird. <laughs> uh, so Arthur goes back to the vet the next morning to pick up Pal, and you know it's a little fake out at first. One of the assistants comes out, is like, "Your dog, it had puppies," and like, but Pal's a boy dog. That's a great gag. And it's like, sorry, not you, her, and this little girl with her dog with her dog Scoungy or something. Yeah, I don't some, know. Some the writers dumb, need to work on the dog names. Some dumb name. I love how every doctor in Arthur is that arrested development doctor. Like we've mentioned this before, but even when they're a vet, like your dog's got puppies. <laughs> he's I'm a, he's going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. In that we had to cut off his left hand. <laughs> uh so uh Pal is better, still a little queasy, and of course the vet says he ate a lot of things a dog shouldn't eat. I put here Newsflash, dogs shouldn't eat people, 
people animal food. But as you said, maybe there are cases where animals can't eat people food. Mm-hmm. But really, the type of food that Arthur, like he goes down the list of what he fed him, and it's just like, yeah, kind of, no duh, genius. Well, some of that food nobody should eat. As the doctor says, he says, and if you ate all that, you should get your stomach checked as well. Yeah. Because like that the, two old, year, the two like year the dusty old Halloween candy. candy yeah. yeah. Uh, so he takes takes Pal back home. He seems kept in a treehouse, man. Yeah. Like water under, seep- flo- under floorboards. Yeah, yeah. Water's like seeping through those floorboards. Through seasons. The more I think about it, the more that like candy probably had like potato bugs on it and stuff. Like just real, real rough. It's not worth thinking about. So brings Pal back home. He does apologize to DW, who we kind of uh, uh, had no reason to suspect. You know, because it's like you said you were going to teach him a lesson that he won't forget. To which she says, and I still plan to do that. And that's the end of the episode is where DW gets a dog training book from the library that she instructs Arthur to read to her so then she can in turn train Pal. But, of course, Pal doesn't really need that kind of training because he kind of gets out of his leash and puts uh, uh, Kate's bunny doll in the leash. And DW thinks that she's dragging Pal. And so it's just like, ah, Pal's, Pal's smart, that kind of stuff. And that's the end of the episode. So, Arthur's Chicken Pox, uh, what did you think, Lucas? I really didn't like that episode. Oh, really? Yeah, it was one of my least favorite we've watched so Whoa, far. Oh, okay. It was, it was a combination of me finding it really boring. Like, I just kind of – and it might be because, again, I think it's one of the most well-known Arthur episodes. Very so much I so. sort of knew the twist and what was going to happen beforehand, and so that might have soiled it for me. So there wasn't a lot of intrigue to go on. But I found it – like, I didn't find it that funny – nor did I find it that intriguing. And the whole main – it's really a DW episode. Arthur's sort of an innocent standby in the whole thing. But yeah. I found myself so frustrated with DW the whole time because obviously as an adult with the ability of foresight, I know that no matter what DW might think about Arthur getting special treatment, there's no way – that being sick with the chicken pox is worth all that. Like, yeah. from what I heard from those kids during Word From Us Kids, it sounds awful with the pus and the itchiness yeah. and and even a fever. I'm someone who really, really, really doesn't enjoy being sick. Yeah, I, me neither. I, I, uh, I hate it. I, I hate it so much. So I was so frustrated with DW throughout, and she really goes to these, like, great lengths where I'm getting really annoyed by her. And so, except for the end in that one moment where she came to her own conclusion and we sort of got our isn't it ironic ending where she does get the chicken pox, I really didn't like that episode. Okay. Um, I I understand your criticisms about it, and uh, I echo them in a sense, maybe not as strongly as you do. Um, I thought it was okay. There was, I thought that it was kind of cute enough in places and the imagery in places as well. I, I, I appreciate it. And I think I could say that about both of those episodes that I really appreciated the, uh, surreal imagery that Arthur brings the, to the table sometimes. The bottle service definitely like, <laughs> yeah, was kind of crazy. That, that like get, the idea you would get sparklers in your drink for your, because you were sick yeah. is pretty far fetched and also a fire hazard. But like I said, um, it really the episode makes chicken pox seem awesome, which I'm to understand it really isn't. Not that that's a big deal or anything, but at the same time, it did make it kind of hard to relate to. Like like you said, I don't like being sick either, and I get I understood why DW was jealous, but at the same time, like I didn't really didn't really move move me in any way. I'm just like, okay, well she's jealous, and you're gonna get chicken pox and all that kind of thing. You can kind of see where it's going. And at, and also, like, I was really taken out of the episode by the amount of times I was like, DW is right next to Arthur, who is infectious. It's like, so of course she's going to get sick. What did you expect? So when, by the time it came around, even though, yes, I've seen this episode many, many times, it's just like, well, 
point A leads to point B. One plus one equals two. Like, what what do you want? So it didn't really uh, do a whole lot for me, but I don't think I disliked it to the to the effect that you did. It's also it 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 it's weird about its moral, right? Because now that you say that, it makes me think. So the moral of the episode is like, don't be jealous, I guess. But they also kind of undo that at the end. Yeah. I, I think the moral it re- of the, rewards her anyway. I, I think the moral of the episode is exactly what DW explains almost word for word at the very end, where she sure. says, "You know, I was just upset because I was jealous. I want to go to the circus." Um, but then they kind of undo the whole thing because she ends up getting chicken pox, and she's just as excited. Like yeah. she doesn't literally learn anything. There's no comeuppance for anybody involved, and it makes the whole thing seem kind of pointless. Well, it doesn't seem so much like a moral episode as much as it is kind of like a slice of life one but if so there are kind of there are ones that I like better than this one it's it's fine but it's not great um sick as a dog I was excited for of course because it was a pal episode this one I kind of feel the same way about that maybe you do about the chicken pox episode of just like it again didn't really move me because it just seemed like this was really a common sense kind of lesson of just like don't feed Pal all this gross food and he won't get sick. And it just ended up kind of being an Arthur and Pal episode, which we kind of already we will have plenty of those. And this one kind of seemed a little weak sauce in uh, <laughs> in comparison to other ones. Uh, in fact, I think that in a way, Arthur and Pal's relationship was defined a lot better in an episode that was uh, oh, what the, what the heck was it? Um, the episode with Pal and the balloon. I thought that that almost defined their relationship a little better because it was defined by the absence of Pal in Arthur's life, and you could see like how how much he how much Arthur loves Sam and how devastated he is when he's like not around when he feels uh, when he's lost. Um, so I fe- and and this one didn't really do a whole lot other than like yeah Arthur loves Pal and he doesn't want him to be sick and like I said some of the the weird imagery was pretty cool. Uh, but it didn't do – so I like this a little less than Arthur's Chicken Pox. So it's like I was kind of oh, lukewarm. Wow. I was lukewarm on Arthur's Chicken Pox. This one I don't dislike, but I don't really want to watch again. I don't necessarily think this episode was a standout, and I definitely have a lot of similar issues with it as you. But I do think that – I think I like the Arthur episodes. Uh, I'm more likely to get engaged with an Arthur episode if it's got higher stakes. Okay. So, for instance, Pal being sick, this could have been like – when Pal makes that noise, and as someone who could speak from personal experience, like one time when my dog was a puppy – and it ate the gravel from our backyard. We had to take it to the vet and like spend fifteen hundred bucks on surgery to get oh, the gravel out of the puppy. Man, what a blow! Stupid puppy eating gravel, dummy. What a dumb dumb. Why I'll never get a puppy. Uh, and this is just a little aside, but my sure. my uh, they the vet comes out and goes. It was my dad and my sister that were there. I wasn't there, and the vet goes, "Yep, it's going to be fifteen hundred dollars for the surgery." And my dad thinks about it, and he thinks about it. And he goes, yeah, okay, we'll do it. And Michaela turns to dad, almost cried. She goes, I hope you don't think about it that long next time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, But obviously it's one of those things where whenever there is uh, a situation where a dog could be in sometimes fatal danger, it's very high stakes, much like the episode where Arthur had to make sure Pal didn't go to that farm. Mm. So I was definitely more engaged with this one because it's like, man, that sound was so awful. I hope Pal's okay. But like you said, it isn't the most standout episode in the world. The Mm. vignettes are funny, like the really surreal imagery. uh, And there is some good jokes, some good lines from Buster and DW in this one. But like you said before, it kind of falls to the wayside when Mm. 
put up against other similar episodes. Yeah, so two episodes were not exactly uh, hot on. If you want to check them out, I would definitely rec- I would recommend, of course, that you do. They're, like, like I say, they're not exactly a waste of time or anything, but uh, judge for yourself. And if you have any different opinions, uh, you should absolutely get in touch with us. So we're nearing the end of the episode, which is, of course, where we will let you know how you can do that. I'm going to start off with one that I would really like to see more activity on, and that is our email. If you would, if you have differing opinions about this episode, uh, if you would like to uh, interact with us on a real personal level, but anything that we've talked about here, if you want to start a topic of conversation on a future podcast, email us, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. You can also interact with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Elwood City Limits over there. Give us a like, putting up some funny screen caps and letting you know what day the episode's coming out. On Twitter, um, so a couple a couple of retweets that we've gotten in the in the past uh, couple weeks been uh, that's been real cool. So we are at ECL Podcast, and you can find Sorry us. To on- get involved, sorry on Twitter. Um, people brought up the discussion of the animal hierarchy in Arthur, which I was happy <laughs> to see, and so we got involved on that Twitter discussion. There's a, a there's a there's a good long discussion you could have about that, and we are slowly building the evidence. <laughs> uh, and finally, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com, where again we're sharing sharing and reblogging the memes, and uh, yeah, there's some fun stuff there. Uh, really loving the Arthur community. So thank you very much for listening. Of course, you can uh, find us on SoundCloud. You can uh, stream on your uh, on your laptop or device over there, or you can get us uh, uh, on your on your phone or device anytime by uh, subscribing on iTunes. Also, if you have a different type of device that you uh, stream audio onto, and if you'd like us to uh, expand to a different service, uh, you know, branch out a little bit. If you would like to take us on the go, but maybe you don't have an Apple product, uh, let us know. Again, Elwood City Limits at gmail.com you know pretty much an amateur to this podcasting thing so if there are other services you would like us to be a part of that you use uh, please let us know okay and so next week we'll be back with a new episode this one uh, we've got actually we're going back to uh, uh, DW uh, episode Uh, it's going to be DW rides again and Arthur makes the team huh it's a couple a couple of a couple good ones in there I'm looking forward to uh uh, revisiting those again. I think those are uh, pretty good ones. In fact, now that I remember, Arthur Makes a Team is where we get our first real good taste of Oliver Frensky. Ooh. So I'm excited about that. Thanks a lot for joining us for this episode of Elwood City Limits, the podcast that's all about everybody's favorite aardvark. Lucas, what do you got? Did you throw up yet? <laughs> well, if you threw up listening to this... I hope you get better soon. Grab your barf bag. Yeah, grab your barf bag and listen to the next episode of Elwood City Limits. It's coming at you soon, so make sure you stay tuned and uh, follow along with us wherever you can. We'll catch you next time. The dog's got my wiener. <laughs>